Today's scripture comes from Book of John, chapter one, uh, verse one through fourteen. Please follow in your uh, in your screen above or your mobile devices. <clears throat> in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. And the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory and the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. This is the word of God. All right, we'll go back to the traditional mic. Good to see all of you. It's been a long time. <laughs> um, it sounded like our Elder Joe um, lost faith in me, that I needed extra prayer this morning <laughs> because I haven't preached. I preached a few times in Korea while I was there, um, but I had to do it in Korean, so it's very different, and, um, you know, it's not preaching at home. It's not a, you're, you're not in home field. You don't have that advantage, so it's just really good to be back. Um, for those of you who forgotten me or never met me before, the last week I came for Christmas service and I met a newcomer, and he was so excited. He was like, "Oh, I'm new here. Are you new here too?" I was like, "Oh, no, <laughs> I've been here since the beginning." And she was like, "Oh, so you left and came back?" I was like, "No, I was on a sabbatical <laughs> for four months. Um, the church that I serve here at New Mercy is just an amazing one." that the church allows full-time pastors to take a leave of sabbatical, rest time, growth time, and healing time for four months. So I was actually in Korea because my folks, my parents are in Korea. So I took my wife and the two kids, and we flew out, stayed there for four months, and we, I got back about less than two weeks ago, and my wife and the kids actually just arrived last night. So it's been a little hectic, a little crazy, but it's always good to be back home. And one of the things that I just really miss about being home is standing here before you um, and just preaching the Word of God. Uh, it keeps you sharp. It really made me reflect about what it means to be a pastor and a counselor and to serve here at New Mercy. So there's so many aspects, so many things about this that I really miss. But uh, most of all, I was just very thankful to be back. It was only four months ago, but... 
it sounds like it sounded like to me while I was away, I kept getting these emails and Facebook updates. Like so much stuff happened here in our New Mercy community. Like every other week, we were getting engagement announcements. Uh, congratulations for those of you who were, you know, who got engaged. And the other weeks, someone was getting married or was getting wedding invitation. And then other weeks, somebody was having a baby, second, first, or third. Uh, and sounded like just life here just kept going on. Not that my life stopped while I was in Korea, but it was just good to hear and to think about and imagine, oh, man, these people's lives are going to change forever, especially those who are having a child. They don't know what they're getting themselves into, but I couldn't stop them. I'm not here. Um, and sounded like uh, we, so many things happened at church other than the individuals and the couples. It sounded like people got new jobs. We got new deacons and new members. And... Um, that we got this one email that was difficult to see, but I heard that our church financially was in a deficit a few months ago, and therefore, as many churches do around the fourth quarter of the season, we send out a letter saying, hey, this is our church, let's pick things up. And now I was told this past Friday that we're actually in the surplus budget-wise. So just, just to struggle through those things together, I think it means what it means to be part of a community, even though you're not physically here. Outside of church, there's seem like there's plenty of changes. We were in Korea while they were going through the first impeachment of the president for the first time ever. So millions and pe- millions of people would gather together in major cities, including where I was, every Saturday and Sunday, and they were protesting like chaos, chaos. The, the country's in chaos. And then I heard that, Y'all, because I just wasn't here, but y'all, you know, elected a new president. So I heard that was chaotic times here. So, in, in fact, Pastor Key um, emailed me and was just like, hey, don't come back. You know, there's chaotic over here. And I was just like, turn on the news. See what's going on in Korea. It's crazy, even more crazy here. So in four months, so much stuff has happened uh, around me. But what's amazing is, you know, in four months, so much change can happen inside of you as well. While I was away, it was just a rejuvenating, healing time for me, but inside of me too, it made me reflect. And one thing for sure is when you are removed from your own bubble, from your own home, and you're in an uncomfortable, unfamiliar place, you can't help but to reflect upon your life. Man, who was I? What kind of pastor was I these years? And what do I need to change? What kind of a husband, a father? It really made me to think hard about who I was and who I want to be and need to be. So all these reflections was just an amazing time for me while I was away. But one of the things that I I miss most about being at home was not my bed, not waking up to ESPN, not, you know, having great coffee and food around here, but it was really you. Um, And I don't say that to just be cheesy, but I really miss people. I miss people that spoke English. <laughs> I miss people that I cared about and I love and people that I really want to do life together with. And every night as I prayed about New Mercy and my life back at home, I thought about each one of you. Um, and it really made me miss home that much more. And I realized that I appreciate my family here at New Mercy and my life that I've lived here with you together for past six and a half years. 
So simply put it, I missed you. I missed New Mercy. In fact, I, I don't like to admit it too much, but I miss the pastors. I have to say that. Um, but my wife, before I got on the plane, reminded me, hey, when you get to that first pastoral staff meeting or when you preach first, before I get there, don't cry. First Friday, I went to the pastoral staff meeting. We have this uh, worship time where we praise God, and Pastor Christine was on the keyboard and singing beautifully. And as soon as I closed my eyes, I saw the tears, and I can already see Pastor Wanjin Key looking at me. He's like, oh, we knew he was going to cry. But I, wasn't, I didn't cry because I missed him. I cried because I was so thankful of God's glory and mercy and all the things that I missed, but I think they've mistaken me. Um, but it was just good to be back, and it's just amazing to be up here to preach before you today, sharing with you the Word of God from Gospel of John, chapter 1. Word was with God from the beginning, and perhaps it's not a usual passage that we read as we celebrate the Christmas season and the New Year, but I wanted to focus on this passage because this is John's account of Christmas. John's account of new things to come, new life to come. So will you bow with me and pray? We'll invite the Holy Spirit one more time as we dive into the Word. Lord, we thank you for encouraging us to grow and heal. We thank you for giving us a family whom we can worship you together. May you be pleased today as we give you all the glory and honor and praise. Amen. So in Korea, I got to spend a lot of quality time with my family members. Um, I have my brother and my uncle and aunt here. But other than that, rest of my folks, my mom and my father's side, all live in Korea. So when we went, um, we got to visit them. And, you know, as family members get together, what happens? You know, there's laughter and you tell a lot of stories. And as they saw Benjamin and Noel, my two kids, it was their first time meeting them. So they began to reminisce. Hey, Benjamin's so big and so rambunctious and so energetic. You know, you used to be like that, John. And I was like, no, I wasn't. I was like the perfect child, all right? I sat on the table. I ate well. I never screamed. And they're like, no, you weren't. You were just like that, right? You were big and, and, and you were selfish and you were loud. And I was like, oh, really? That's not the versions that I heard. And so they began to reminisce about my childhood, and I sat there listening in with open ears. And I remember this one aunt was sharing a story about a new year. Uh, in New Year in Korea, uh, all the family members get together, and they have this thing called tteokguk, right? uh, uh, rice cake soup. And you share stories, and we, because we're a Christian family, we pray together, we thank God, and then you do the Korean thing where you give children money. That was my favorite holiday right, Korean holiday, where you go and you bow to some people and you get cash. Like, we need to make that holiday in the U.S. But my aunt was telling me about this one New Year family gathering, and she said, man, do you remember that time when John was like three or four? He barely could talk, and my family was gathering around um, dinner table, and they were eating fried chicken for some reason. And just as a joke, I came over and I was hungry, so just as a joke, my aunt gave me a piece of like chewed up chicken bone. Right? He's like, oh, you're hungry here. It's like, what a cruel thing to do to a child. But, you know, and she was telling me, she's like, when you got that, I remember what you did. You smelled it, and then you chucked it into my face. And then you screamed. And so her, to her, I was a toddler with an attitude and a determination. Right? 
And then my uncle jumped in and she was like, no, 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 that's not what exactly happened. What happened was we gave him the chicken bone. Then he got so upset. He threw the chicken bone across the room and it landed in the other uncle's soup. It splashed and then he got upset and then John started crying, right? Like a little baby. And I was just like, I was a little baby. What do you expect? Right? What do you expect from a three, four-year-old? But to him, I was a toddler who was already tuned with my emotions. I know what I wanted, and I didn't get it. I was expressing it. Then my other aunt jumped in. He's like, no, that's not exactly what happened. What happened was we gave you the chicken bone, and then you came, and you were so upset that there was no meat on the bone. When the adults were talking and we were not paying attention to you anymore, you came over and you snuck a chicken bone, chicken, right, thigh, and you ran into the room and you ate it by yourself, right? And to her, according to this story, this version, I was depicted as this crafty little sucker with the strong willpower. We laughed together and we shared good memories with each other. And it's interesting to me that it was the same event, different people, therefore we got different versions of the story. And that's what happens actually in the Gospels. John, Luke, and Matthew all tell the same story, same account of Jesus Christ coming from heaven to earth, incarnate, in flesh, through Christmas for us, but they all tell it in a very different way. In fact, most people, when they read John chapter 1 here, and the Word became flesh and all this, it doesn't sound like a Christmas story, so we dismiss it. Matthew's and Luke's version of the Christmas story sounds much more like the ones that we are used to and we're familiar with. Because Matthew, he's a Jew. So with the Jewish lens, he tells this Christmas story. So he's very traditional. And he emphasizes the fact that Jesus Christ, when it comes to us through the manger as a baby, through Joseph and Mary, he's the king of the Jews that was promised to come. So he emphasizes that the Messiah finally came to us. So he goes through the Old Testament and he makes parallels with the Old Testament. And that's why he focuses much on actually Joseph and Mary's plight, right? Away from the Egypt, running away because it parallels with the the Israelites running away from Egypt back in Exodus. So here's Matthew telling a very traditional version of the Christmas story. And then there's Luke. See, he's a bit of a historian. So he begins his book by naming all the dates, all the places, all the prominent figures to tell you this is what's happened historically and this is where we are now. And Luke being a Gentile, not a Jew, right? He has a Gentile lens. And therefore his Christmas story thorough, detailed version of the baby coming in the manger and all that with the wise men, he focuses on the marginalized, the people like Gentiles who were not Jews, who were not given this promise, who didn't have the Old Testament, and yet Jesus Christ comes for those marginalized people, for the outcasts. And that's why among all three Gospels, Luke focuses the most actually in Mary. I mean, what other outcasts are there? You're Single female engaged and you have a baby and you tell everybody this is incarnate Jesus and I didn't sleep with Joe, right? Crazy. So marginalized, outcast. But then there's John, as we read today. What a boring way to depict and write about Christmas, 
right? I mean, it begins, in the beginning was the Word, and Word was with God, and the Word was God. Doesn't sound like a Christmas story to me at all. Because John was a theologian, and he wasn't that interested in describing what happened, who was there, and who said what, who brought what. He wants to emphasize why Jesus came. The theological meaning behind what we celebrate as Christmas. Why did Jesus come? So as a theologian, John writes from his holy imagination of prayer, as one pastor puts it. And so he's very unsentimental, unemotional. Here is the theological way to describe Christmas. So it's the same event, but he describes it with perhaps poetic language, but it's very un, unemotional, unsentimental, but there's deep theological meaning behind it. John tells the Christmas story just nine words, in fact. He says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. That's what happened. Baby Jesus. But the rest of that chapter actually describes why Jesus came. So let's dive in. Same event, different family members, different versions of the story. But there's this one aspect, one theme, one image that all three gospel writers actually put in their Christmas story. And that is this image of the light. They all talk about the light, the light of the star, the light that was shown around the shepherds. And here in John's account, the true light that enlightens every person, that drives and pushes every darkness away. In all three accounts, Though there are different versions, they all talk about this one thing, the light. The light shines in the darkness. And perhaps, rightly so. Perhaps there is no better way to describe Jesus coming to us, into this world, than describing Him as the light coming into darkness, leading us, guiding us, to show forth the way. Jesus coming as the light into this dark world. This image is powerful because we all know what it means to live in darkness. All of us, in one way or another, small and big. We've all experienced darkness. We face death of loved ones. We face broken relationships. We face broken promises. We face shattered dreams and goals that we've had. We know that darkness brings despair, pain, and confusion. It provokes fear, anxiety, and hesitation. Darkness blurs our visions and goals. Darkness keeps us from moving on and tries to keep us in our little bubbles. Stay where you're safe. You don't need to look elsewhere. Darkness makes us blind to the things that really matter. I know very well that Christmas and the season of New Year are not a pleasant one, actually, for many of us. As some of us open gifts, the bells are ringing, and laughters are carried away, and people are out, about, happy, looking at the lights, Christmas tree. For some of us, Christmas season and the New Year seem to remind us more of the darkness in our lives. Hey, it's 2017, but I still hate my job. 
I still hate my coworkers. I still don't get along with my spouse. I still can't quit my addictions and bad habits. I still haven't found someone. I'm still not pregnant. I'm st- I still have a, I don't have a job. I still am the same miserable person that I was yesterday. So what changed? 1231 to 1 1. What changed? It all seems the same for many, if not all of us. And yet here we are gathered together at church, reading the gospel account of John, perhaps the most boring version of Christmas. As we say, there's still light. Why? Why, John? Why did this light come to darkness? Because we begin to see under the light who we really are. And that's John's point. When this light through baby Jesus comes to us into this dark world, in the darkest corners of our lives, though it doesn't fully change and we don't transform where all our problems go away, where there's no dark moments ever in our life, when this light hits us for a moment, for minute, hour, days, months, years. We are reminded who we are. And who are we? John says, the light shows us that we are children of God. You are my child. You're my sons. You're my daughters. And for that, I will always be faithful. I will always love you. I will always be there with you and for you. That's John's account of Christmas. By that light, we can begin to see who we are and who we are created to be. For it is in the person of Jesus that what it means to be a human being is finally made clear. In him, we see our lives that are made whole only through him. As it reminds us, you are my child. Therefore, you and I, whether we like it or not, become family members, right? We become brothers and sisters. Christmas not only brings a new baby into this world, but the birth of Jesus also brings a new family into this world, a new family in Christ. So he says, verse 4, In the coming of Jesus was life, and that life was the light of all mankind, and the light shines in the darkness, and darkness has not overcome it. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. And that's why he concludes in verse 14. That's why the Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. He came to us. Light to show us who we are. Children of God. While John sums up the Christmas story just in one line, he spends much more time here on the significance of Christ's coming, Christmas, by shifting the tension from Jesus' birth to actually our new birth. Birth of you and I as children of God. 
And to fully appreciate the significance of what John is saying, I think we need to distinguish here for a moment between the things that describe us and things that define us. There's going to be more miserable moments in our lives in 2017, whether you and I like it or not. There's going to be challenges, and there's going to be many more joyful things, things that we never expected, never imagined, but it came as a blessing and a gift from God. But as we go through these ups and downs in this upcoming new year and the years to come, let us not forget to distinguish between what describes us. We had a difficult year. We have a difficult relationship. I didn't get what I wanted. But you're still my son. You're still my daughter. No matter how many times Benjamin doesn't listen to me, no matter how many times Noel disappoints me, they're my children. And for that, I will always love them. Perhaps not the way they want me to love them, but I will love them nonetheless, right? And you parents, those of you who are parents here, know and all of us, we're sons and daughters of our biological fathers and mothers. No matter what that relationship looks like, that's the image that God wants to use to speak to us. Shine that light upon us that, hey, I am your father. I am your parent that will always be there for you. All too often, we allow certain elements of our life to dominate and define us, not describe us. Things like our upbringing, our interests, our good experiences and our bad, our current relationship status, our past triumphs and tragedies. But God's reminding us, those things, they describe who you are. They describe the experiences that you're going through. They're important. They're important experiences, but they describe what you're going through. They don't define who you are. When I thought about coming back to this regular life, back to the States from Korea, you know, most, most of me, I was happy. I was just like, finally, I get to go back to my regular life. Because it's hard living out of your suitcase for four months, and I haven't lived with my parents since sophomore in high school. So, you know, two kids, wife, living with parents-in-law, my parents, although amazing people, in the new city, new town, living off, you know, luggage, it's hard. But there was a part of me that was not excited to come back. Part of me that was sad, that was anxious. Because I knew that the moment I land here, I open my email to the church account. Soon as I land, I'm going to see all those texts that I've been avoiding. They're going to ask for help. They're going to talk about the darknesses in their life. And that's exactly what happened. <laughs> open up an email. Hey, PJ, I'm having some difficult times with my spouse. We're thinking about splitting up. I get an email. Hey, I'm going through depression. It's worse than before. Hey, my family left me. Hey, I broke up. Hey, I didn't get into the school that I wanted. That's not true of the people who just wrote me the email. It's true of our lives. Setbacks and disappointments, the darknesses that come uninvited, and we face these challenges as I come, came back home. I was reminded once again. Part of being at home means one must face the regular mundaneness of life full of different darknesses. But what makes us get up and go the next day? What makes you and I live despite these dark moments and dark experiences? 
What holds us together and depend on each other as we share our darkness together? It's the fact that Jesus promised to be the light in our lives, and He is showing us the way. And in order to keep facing the light and remember the light and be within the light, Jesus gave us not only the tangible baby, right? He gave us this family. New mercy. Or some of you guys belong to other churches and you're visiting. That church, that community is the new family in flesh that's supposed to share this light with each other. Not in a perfect way that Jesus Christ did to us by coming as baby Christ, but in small little ways, as flickering lights perhaps. Perhaps lights that will dim but brighten again. Each one of you, you and me, are supposed to be light to each other. Remind each other the true light that came for us. He shines so that we can fight against the darkness and fight it together as a family in Christ. As one community. Not because we're so amazing, but because God is. And God gave us the ability, right? God gave us the ability and the passion and the desire to be able to share such light the best that we can with each other. And that's what it means to be family. You fall down, I got to be there to catch you up. I fall down, you better be there. If I'm having a difficult time, I got to share with you. Ask for help. Be vulnerable. And for those of us who are listening and we got to think, we got to pray, we got to figure out a creative way to support this brother and sister in Christ the best way we know how. Do we do that in 2016? Were we really the light to brothers and sisters sitting next to us? When I was a little boy, our family, um, you know, didn't do much for Christmas. We would get together, me, my brother, my parents, and we would, I kid you not, it was a plastic Christmas tree that we pulled out for like 10 years. It was like three feet tall, and you just plug it in, right, to the stem, and then you just put it all back in the box the day after. And we have dinky lights that you can just go like this in one motion. And, you know, nowadays I see families, and maybe it's because, you know, maybe the American tradition, like people get all kinds of gifts. There's like four or five per child, you know. And my brother and I grew up, we got one gift. And I remember I used to get this one gift, and just imagine as a child getting that gift, you know. You want to you wanna open it up and see what's inside, right? So I used to just get so happy about Christmas Eve because then I get to go see the actual present, real gift wrapped underneath this dinky three-feet Christmas tree. And my parents would explain, Santa Claus, a.k.a. the angel from the North, North Pole that God sent. My dad's a pastor, remember. Um, so he brought this gift, and we got to pray over it, and then tomorrow, Christmas Day, you get to open it, right? And one day I got old enough to read on my own and put the words together, right? And I remember once that happened, everything changed because the Christmas Eve was not just about anticipating tomorrow. I can actually take the gift. I used to put it under the light and try to make sense of, were there any words or, or phrases or letters that I can see through, right, through the wrapping paper? Can I see the letters G-I-J-O-E? 
You know, can I see the letters? You know, can I see the letters L E G O? So I'm searching, I'm switching the boxes, I'm I'm shaking it around, and I was just hoping that it wasn't another B I B L E, or worse yet, another W O R K B O O K workbook, because I've gotten that before in Christmas. You know, study harder. You know, hoping what is this? But as I put it under the light and tried to make sense of what the gift is, my anticipation level went up, (laughs) up the roof. It made me even more wanting to just rip open, right, and find out the gift. I can't because I would be on the naughty list and I can't get that gift. So I didn't do it. But my anticipation level would go up because as a child, this gift is not real. It doesn't really benefit me. It doesn't become me or part of me unless the next day I wake up, I open it, I get to touch it, feel it, smell it, and play with it. And that's what John says about Jesus. Word was there from the beginning, but it was not enough. It had to become flesh. It had to become real, genuine, authentic, a human being that we can smell, touch, talk to, listen to. But we sit here, we're like, but why does that matter? Yeah, the words were not enough. It needs to become flesh and real, but I didn't get to touch that baby. I didn't get to smell him. I didn't get to wiggle his toes and fingers and smile at his face and make him laugh. He's not real to me. So why does it matter to us? John reminds us it matters because The Word became flesh in order to give us eternal light, even in the midst of darkness. That though we can't touch this baby, though we can't play with him, though we can't listen to him, in another form, light, God reminds us, I will always be there for you. And how does that happen? He gives us another light and flesh in a different manner, but you and me. You and I are flesh of Jesus, sons and daughters of Christ. As we call each other brothers, sisters, and family, we have to live with this faith that as God pushes us and supports us, we are supposed to guide us, care for each other, to love each other. God's light is shining and burning bright, and perhaps you'll see it right next to you and in you in these brothers and sisters who have been there for you in this previous year or more. And I want to challenge us, especially those who are family here at New Mercy, those members. I want to challenge us. Let's live this out. Let's really pray and, and struggle with the idea, what does it mean to be light to our brothers and sisters in Christ? What does it mean to have and celebrate Christmas? that this baby came to us to the darkest uh, moments of our lives to save us, to show light, we are to do the same to each other. So especially here at 1030, I want to challenge us because a lot of us, we are, we are part of the family and we're married and I know there are singles there and, and we just get so boggled down living daily life. We get so busy living in the darkness 
that we forget why Christ came to us. So could I ask church, can you bow with me and pray together? If I can have the keyboard and praise team just come up. Let's just pray together for a moment. As we reflect upon this past year, 2016, I want to ask you, were you that light? Did you shine forth to others? Did you care and love, help heal those around you that you call family in Christ? If you did, let's reminisce about that. Let's think about that. And for many of us, we receive such love. We receive such care. We receive such healing from those around us. We're not related by blood, but they were there for me. They held my hand. They prayed for me. They prayed with me. They showed up at my door. They fed me. They financially supported me. They emotionally supported me. They watched my children for me. Whatever it is, if you receive such love and care, and you saw these flickering lights of who we are to be and we're supposed to be, you know, let's give God prayer of thanks. Thank you, God, that we can experience such amazing things in this family. Why? Because Christ made us family. Christ told us, proclaimed that you and I are family. just give this prayer of reflection to God. Unfortunately for some of us, 2016 was not the best year. We can't even describe it as good or normal. It was just bad. It was a year that I want to erase. For those of us, I want to pray with you and for you. Can we hope in this light? God's still there in your life. Share with us your struggle so we can grow together and we can heal together. Let's pray together as we still hope that intangible way that we can actually see and experience this light once again in our lives. Let's pray. not least this is a new year right 2017 
a lot of things that are going to happen in each of our lives. Can we pray for a little bit about how we are going to be the light in this world? How we're going to be the light in this family? The things that we struggle with, things that we really hope for and long for in 2017. Can we lift up those to God? God, I want my life to look like this this upcoming year. This is what I desire. This is what I hope for. Can we ask God, God, does this match what you want? Is this what you want in my life too? Because if so, man, I'm going to pray harder. I'm going I'm to reach out to you even more. I'm going to knock on that door. I'm going to bang on that door. I'm going to keep seeking and asking, hoping and knowing that you are faithful, God. Can we pray that prayer? A prayer of hope, prayer of our desires and longings, knowing that there is a God, a Father who loves us so much that He is there to listen. He's there to be there for us. So let's lift up that prayer.